This is the Barbecue Central Show Archives. The Barbecue Central Show airs live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices and a host of other products that make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit them online at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by Big Papa Smokers, creators of fabulous rubs, online retailer of grills, accessories, apparel, and creators of their own barbecue contest. Visit them online at BigPapaSmokers.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, creators of injections and rubs, sweeping the nation, doing well in competitions and in the backyard. You can visit them at ButcherBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Call 440-943-2700 and use key term Barbecue Brother when you talk to Steve. Or visit them online at StephenDeFranco.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the best pellet grills you can get on the market today. Varying sizes, not only for your capacity of cooking, but for your budget as well. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com for more information. And by El Diablo Mustard. Looking for a little bit of heat and flavor and regular old yellow mustard? El Diablo has you covered. Six different flavors to choose from currently. And you can find them at LDiabloMustard.com. And by CookingPellets.com. Have a pellet-driven cooker? Why not try out some of the best pellets on the market? And will not void any of your warranties, by the way. CookingPellets.com is the website. And by CookShack, a premier manufacturer of electric and pellet-driven cookers, giving barbecue classes located in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Always running some kind of a special deal. Check them out at CookShack.com. Hi, I'm Johnny Dam, host of the Damage Report radio show. When I'm not falling in love with the First Amendment all over again, I like to sit back, relax, and rub my meat to the Barbecue Central show. And now your host, Greg Rempe. Go, Greg. Yeah, rub that meat. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. Uh, this is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Uh, if you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. You can do it via phone, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show if you would care to, greg at 
thebbqcentralshow.com. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening tonight, in case you didn't get the newsletter coming up in about 13 minutes from now. A first-timer to the show, one of the newer sponsors of the show, Chris Becker from cookingpellets.com will be uh, joining us. We'll be talking about... Pretty much anything that has to do with wood pellets, uh, anything else that he has got going on in his world, professionally, personally, whatever, uh, we will talk about it. But definitely going to get in-depth in regards to pellets, how one decides to get into the pellet-making business even. I mean, who thinks about, hey, I should get into the business? I don't know. You tell me. He'll tell us around 914 tonight. And then coming up at 9.35, we talk to John Lankford about the uh, Cleveland Rockies Invitational Barbecue Championship. Uh, tonight, we have the winner of that, the pitmaster of GQ, uh, GQ Barbecue Team, Jason Ganahl, will join us. A now second time to the show. Huge field stacked back-to-back with competition. So we'll uh, talk to him about how the event went or went. Uh, his thoughts on the win, thoughts on the cook, all that good stuff. Jason Ganahl, GQ Barbecue, 935. Then we'll move into the second hour. And right around 1014, a guy who has been competing for a long time um, might be approaching living legend status at this point. Pitmaster of Parrot Head Smokers, John Nilgis, will be joining us. That's right. So we'll get to talk to John uh, about a whole host of things. Most recently, he won his 50th, 50th 5-0 KCBS contest. That win got him lucky number seven, so he'll be seeing the Jack Daniels this year, also qualifying for the Jack in a different way altogether. So he was going regardless, one of two different ways. John Nilgis, Parrothead Smokers. Looking forward to that conversation. And then... Coming up out of the bullpen, a loyal centralite and grabbing a grand championship from the hands of everybody else competing over at uh, Vista this past weekend out there in the CA. Pitmaster of Lady of Q, Sylvie Curry, will be joining us here on the show. Boom. Wow. Looking forward to having a, a first in-depth conversation with Sylvie, of course. If you're a fan of the show and you frequent the chat room, you know Sylvie is always in. Uh, well, 99.9% of the time she's in, uh, giving her two cents, weighing in on guests, giving me some thoughts on potential questions to ask. Always bringing the value to the show when she's in the chat room, and now we get to turn it around a little bit and uh, do the actual interview with Sylvie. So looking forward to that, and always kind of look forward to interviewing the, uh, the pit women of the competition circuit not pit men pit women two women in a week actually props to me danielle dabowski on last week but memo to danielle uh all i heard about all week was how you should be back on again this week from my uh oldest daughter bobby yeah she loves you by the way loves the show stayed up and watched. how many did you watch in a row bobby four stayed up and watched four barbecue crawls in a row season two she says that she has a hard time watching it because she gets hungry. I can appreciate that. There's a lot of good-looking food on there. There's no doubt about it. So she wanted me to shout out Diva tonight, wondering why she wasn't back on again. I got a show to run, pal. 
So that's your show tonight. Chris Becker, Jason Ganahl, John Niljas, Sylvie Curry, your phone calls and emails, 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com, your two bits of contact information. Um, oh, okay. Welcome to the, this is the... Uh, I'm using a new... Here we go. I'm using a new... Uh, it's called Workflowy. Trying it out compared to my Google Documents for my uh, show setup. And uh, right away, obviously, I'm having issues. All right, look, if you're watching the show right now, blast off a Facebook post or make an, uh, an email, a group email to all your friends. A carbon copy yourself, blind copy everybody else. That way nobody gets uh, in the seeable carbon copy part. Don't want to do that. You get yelled at. For those of us in sales, we love when the other sales reps and competing companies do all the other contacts email address in the carbon copy because that way we're just able to easily expand our customer list. We appreciate that. But you don't do that. You put everybody in the blind carbon copy as you make that email. Or you can go to uh, these addresses or send them to these addresses. Uh, TheBBQCentralShow.com. That's the main audio website you can link over to outdoor cooking channel from there you can get all the archives of course you can go to outdoorcookingchannel.com if you want to watch the video stream on your computer you can also go to uh or purchase roku if you haven't already in the roku app store there is the outdoor cooking channel app you can download that there is a live stream option there as well as well as archives of the show uh, you can subscribe to this show audio audibly through itunes YouTube for videos. Again, as I mentioned, Outdoor Cooking Channel has replays of the show. The main website, your synergistic hub for all ways of archives, audio, video, you name it. No reason you should ever miss anything on this show ever. And uh, that's how you how you keep in touch with it. So if, you, if somebody ever says, hey, did you miss the show last Tuesday? Well, yeah, I missed it. I, I couldn't make it. What did I miss? Never worry. Find all the different outlets where you can get the show, and you can find it. Watch one segment if you like. Watch the whole two-hour show. I know a lot of people take it in as a commute or a car ride. Maybe people take the train into work. Maybe you live in a big city like Chicago or New York. All right, I got to talk to you about this. I was making a lot of posts socially about the phrase bringing it strong and then there's the opposite of bringing it strong and that takes me to my next point of business and uh, for those of you that are not watching i apologize uh the big screen because you're gonna miss uh quite a, a substantial uh, a substantial or substantial amount let me uh, make sure that i have this all pulled out the whole way so everybody can see it uh all right so Looks like we have a pool here. Everybody's having fun. We're going to pan up to the high dive here. And as you can tell, we have some potential harm. If you look all the way at the top left here, let me run it right back. This guy, well, the, a friend has gone off, but as you can see, this lady has now become timid. Let's see what happens here. Nothing good could possibly come happen. You have forward momentum going, but who am I to say what's about to happen? Oh, 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 oh. That's a probably a five meter, six meter platform that she has uh, decided that she didn't want to jump off at the last second. 
things are going bad, and now they're going to go from bad to worse. Oh, my God! Oh, my. That's right. But she's up. You can see her. She's up. Everything's good. Uh, of course, uh, you notice the lack of any lifeguards running into that general area. Let's run it back. I'm going to show you where the whole thing goes south right in the beginning. Here we go. Did you see? Well, hold on a second. Look right here. Right here. Up at the top left. She's plugging her nose. Come on, man. Plugging your nose? When you plug your nose running off the six-meter board and decide you don't want to do it, this is what happens. Uh -oh. oh, my God! Oh, that's what happens to you. So let it be a lesson learned. You know, don't be plugging your nose for crying out loud. Don't plug your nose. Jump off. Be a man or woman. Ladies and gentlemen, the Fast Eddie's by Cookshack Pellet Grill is a smoker and a grill all-in-one. It's stainless steel, 100% wood-burning pellet-fired cooker that uses direct and indirect heat up to 600 degrees. It is the only pellet grill on the market that uses charbroiler technology. It features electronically controlled temperature to eliminate large heat fluctuations that dry and shrink the meat. The pellet grill can barbecue, grill, bake, roast, sear, and smoke. Cookshack has two models of pellet grills. The PG-1000 features a fully insulated double-wall rolled hood for superior heat retention, fuel savings, and maximum cooking performance. And the PG-500 features a two-way swing lid and utensil hold. The PG-500 and 1000 have many great features, including 784 square inches of cooking space, easy side-loading pellet hopper, fully automated wood pellet feed system, stainless steel cooking grates on the direct zone, that produces killer-looking sear marks, nickel-plated grills on the indirect and top racks, drip bucket, pellet ashtray, 100% stainless steel construction, warming drawer, 40 pounds of Cook Shack hickory pellets, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. What do you have to lose? It's a versatile pellet cooker that adds full flavor to your recipes, including fajitas, ribs, chicken, steak, desserts, sides, large meat cuts. It can do it all, including cold smoking. Grilling with wood pellets penetrates the food with an intense smoky flavor, sealing in that flavor. When your cook with wood pellets is happening, the fuel is consistent and the smoke flavorful. For recipes and how-to videos, check out Cook Shack's YouTube channel or the cooking guide on their website. Call Cook Shack at 800-423-0698, 800-423-0698, or visit cookshack.com. Order yours today, 30-day money-back guarantee for crying out loud. That's what I'm saying. All right, we're back with uh, Chris Becker. We'll be talking about cooking pellets. In all forms and fashion. Stick around, we'll be right back. live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. 
All right, welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central show being brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, 31 cities, 500000 in cash to be won. Eternal bragging rights forever if you win it. The next Sam's event will be August 2nd. That's this Saturday in Madison, Wisconsin, Badgertown. This is a regional final that will see the top 10 teams moving on to the national final in Bentonville, Arkansas on September 27th. To keep up with the tour or register to compete, if you can still do that, visit kcbs.us slash samstour. That's kcbs.us slash samstour. All right, joining me now is the owner of one of the most popular brands of wood pellets on the market today. We'll be talking all things that involve this niche industry, so let's uh, welcome first-time guest and one of the newest partners to the show. Let's head on over to the website, or hotline as we call it, and uh, welcome in Chris Becker from uh, Cooking Pellets. Chris, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you, Greg? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Chris, appreciate you making time for the show tonight. And, uh, you know, a lot of different things and uh, items to talk about tonight, but I guess you know, first and foremost, first time on the show, let's go ahead and, you know, do a, a big group shot back out and kind of learn about you professionally, uh, maybe a little bit, you know, personally, if you're, if you're a guy that likes to cook or maybe you don't and you just got into this thing, like, you know, what are you into? What's what's my Chris Becker tech? Uh, I love to cook. I, I'm a cooking idiot. Um, and that's by the love of my wife telling me that. Yeah. Join the club. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So I, I love to cook. Uh, I actually bought my first pellet grill probably 10, I think we're going on 11 years ago. And um, a buddy of mine had it, and I loved it. So I just started doing it and using it and uh, started making pellets because I wasn't real happy with what I was ending up with because I had had, you know, um, stick burner stuff and uh, you know it just takes a little bit more smoke out of a pellet grill sometimes or a different tape i was just looking for something different so anyway i i, I cook uh I, I love throwing stuff together my wife bakes she's an excellent baker but i'm the cook of the house and uh, and i don't if i unless i'm making eggs i'm outside so. are you uh, like professionally is this uh, something you have always been into or did you get like into the pellet making business specifically because you had a pellet cooker and you didn't like the, the pellets you were getting. Exactly. Uh, wow. I didn't like what I was getting for pellets. So I decided, well, you know what, I'm going to look into it and, uh, uh, aggravated the wife threw some cash at it and we started making pellets and found out that there was a need at the time for, uh, you know, a secondary source or a better source, uh, something. It was just a little bit missing. And I think we filled the void. How, so the the big question for me is uh, like, how do you go about getting a pellet business started? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, were you in extruding in a previous life, or like uh, what? No, um, <laughs> no, but I can aggravate my wife pretty good, and I'm really good at that. So, and and doing the pellet thing was kind of it. She goes, "No, don't do it." I'm like, eh, "It's another one." So we 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 own a couple different businesses. The cooking pellets is our fun business, so we're going to keep it that way. But um, I got into it uh, really just doing Google searches, finding. I found a mill that was for sale, uh, started manufacturing, and it was just kind of from there. Kind of built out the old family farm and 
it's not real retail friendly. Most people come to my office to pick up stuff uh, if they're local, but um, it, it's just kind of history from there. So we just put a website together and uh, found that there was a need. You know, it's kind of like somebody's making tires. Let's put a car around it, so to speak. Where are you uh, home based out of? Like, where's the manufacturing facility? Uh, just out of, uh, we're just south of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And, um, uh, and the facility's on an old family farm. So, uh, it, like I said, it's not really user friendly that well, but we stock at our office. We have a warehouse at our office and we stock and ship out of here because we have FedEx and UPS trucks coming in here anyway. So, um, to send trucks into the farm is not a good thing. So yeah, it's, you have an extra expense of pushing stuff back and forth, but we're, we're not, uh, heating pellet manufacturers. We're probably the only manufacturer out there that only manufactures pellets for the grill industry. So some of the other manufacturers that people are aware of also supplement, uh, the cooking pellet income with the, the heating pellet income. Yes. Sir. Yeah. Do you have a guess on what the percentages of those weigh out to? Um, 99%. 99% heating. Uh, yeah, there, there is nobody else that I know that only makes pellets wow. for the pellet grill industry. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. And, yeah. and this is the only uh, location that you have. You don't have other ones kind of scattered around the country. No, we have dealers throughout yeah, the country. Yeah. We have, uh, 45 some odd dealers. We have, uh, three, four distributors throughout the U S and Canada. Uh, we sell in Guam, you know, we're talking to people in Europe and, yeah, I mean, we're spread out because not everybody can buy from us locally, yeah. and freight is a killer when it comes to pellets. Uh, so we try getting people to um, find our dealers through our online dealer sites and, uh, you know, see where they're at, buy them, and go there and grab them. How long have you been uh, officially in the, the pellet making and selling business? Uh, since 07. All right, so roughly seven so, years and so, probably changed. Yeah, going on eight, going on eight years, yeah. All right, go, go on uh, eight. Yeah. Are you surprised to see the rise in how popular pellet cookers have become, especially, I mean, they've always been, you know, kind of a niche, uh, some would probably say gimmicky item, but over the last two or three years, you've seen a large amount of different manufacturers, brands, shapes, sizes. The last one I've seen most recently is one that looks like a big green egg that runs on pellets called the black olive. I mean, for somebody that is making a fuel for these, this has got to be kind of exciting, I imagine. Um, yeah, it's it's real exciting. Uh, we, when we started, there were three manufacturers of pellet grills, and now, as of yesterday's count, there are twenty-two. 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 Wow. Um, some will drop off, some will add on, some don't, you know, some get into it, don't realize they shouldn't. You know, it's just like every other business. <laughs> yeah. um, you make a car, I should make tires or something else, and then they really aren't in that business, so they end up getting out of the business quick. And there's been a few that have fallen off the edge. Um, it, our, it, our business, I mean, we're very excited about it. We're, uh, we're growing, and for the simple fact that we kind of dumbed things down um, about uh, four or five years ago, instead of offering um, a, a, a different pellet, you know, there's a lot of places that offer different pellets and that's great. And I'm not saying not to use a pellet like an apple. If you want to cook pork, have at it. I think that's a great idea. 
Um, or if you want to cook, you know, use alder to cook fish, great, do that. But um, we just kind of want to be your daily driver. Uh, we found through talking with a lot of our customers that they just got to a point, you know, the newness or funness of the hot rod or new motorcycle kind of wore off. So they just wanted to fill it up with something that was reasonably priced and that worked. And that's where we kind of went to. And that's why we really only offer two types of pellets, and that's Perfect Mix or our 100% Hickory. And the Perfect Mix is Hickory based and actually outsells our Hickory about 8 to 1 wow. because it's just, it's great on short cooks or long smokes. Um, not saying that the Hickory isn't, but if you had a true 100% Hickory, which you've had, it, it can be a little harsh at the end on a really long smoke. So. Let's uh, have a quick lesson. School's in session. Uh, Professor Becker uh, teaching yeah. class. Uh, by the way, we're talking with Chris Becker. Cookingpellets.com, the website, if you want to check it out here while we're talking. You don't have to get into the minutia, of course, but how is a pellet made? Well, we take, um, we take heartwoods. Uh, we, we, we don't have kiln-dried wood. We take heartwoods that are trimmed of bark. We personally don't like bark when we make pellets. Uh, I think that's part of our success. Uh, two, we chip that wood. Uh, then we do something that, that I don't think anybody else does. We actually make a recipe of the chips. Um, so when we're making our mix, we have hickory, cherry, hard maple, and apple. And we mix all those together in a certain amount. Yeah, it's a big stinking bowl, so to speak, that we mix in. And then we make pellets out of it. And the reason we do that is makes it very consistent flavor. So we take the chips. It goes through a hammer mill, which is this device that beats the snot out of the chips to put it into a dust. And then it goes into the mill, gets put into about 20 ton of pressure, goes through a die that looks like the diameter of the pellets. And when it pops out the other side, um, in that process of that 20 tons, there's a product in all wood. It's called lignin. It's a natural binder. Right. It exudes out of the wood um, at about 180 to 200 degrees. And when it exudes out, that's what is the natural binder. And when it gets to the other end of the die and it gets cold quickly, that's what solidifies the uh, pellet. And it breaks off. And we have a swiper that breaks it off. And uh, through packaging, you end up with the size that you do. So could you make uh, like super long pellets and super short pellets if you wanted to? Or is there like a optimum operating pellet size that you shoot for? Well, we, we try keeping our pellets somewhere around, you know, three quarters of an inch um, right around there. And it's, it's based on a, a sweeper that is on the die. But, um, yeah, you can make it longer or shorter. Sometimes when we start up and everything isn't all um, configured and, and gone and at its time factor sometimes some of the first gets a little bit longer and some gets a little bit shorter but overall we get it set to where the pellet comes out at about a three-quarter inch length that, that's what we like that's what we think works best so you you might find pellets that are shorter in some bags and generally it's through handling so it, it really isn't the cost of the pellet they usually we all make our pellets almost the same all right. Well, thank you for the insight on that. I appreciate. Um, sure. As far as other pellet manufacturers, and we talked about you know how the other uh, manufacturers also supplement their uh, bottom line, but how many other pellet makers, not sellers, but how many other pellet manufacturers are there in the country? That I. That's a good question. That's a hard handle to to hit. Um, 
there's really no subsequent information. We know the information on manufacturers of grills because everybody is trying to sell their grills. But there's a lot of pellet manufacturers that manufacture for pellet grill manufacturers, if that makes sense. We call that, uh, I believe, private labeling in the business. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. So it would be so, like uh, uh, me going to you, hey, Chris, uh, I want barbecue central pellets. And then there's probably like a little small stamp somewhere in the back ass of the package that says, made by cookingpellets.com. Done. Exactly. Selling for $975 a pound, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course, because our pellets are like gold. It's, right. You know, um, and, and I'm glad you touched on that, but we'll talk about why it's higher than a heating pellet cost, if you don't mind in a second. Oh, but for sure. As far as manufacturers, um, there, there's good manufacturers out there. I mean, obviously, I'm not the only one. They're, they're, we call ourselves a premium pellet, um, and what we make has, uh, I, I call it filler, and not that it's bad. Um, companies that sell pellets with their grills generally use a, an oak or an alder within the bag. So if you see a manufactured pellet grills bag and it says hickory on it, generally it is about 20% hickory, maybe a little bit more, and the rest is oak or alder. And they do that for two reasons. One, uh, oak or alder, depending on the plant that it's at, is a easier to get wood and less expensive. And um, two, because it's a grill, they want people to get up to 506 million degrees yeah. to cook their steaks. Yeah. So I'll be the first one to tell you we are not a high heat pellet, but that doesn't seem to feather things any back, to, you know, and, and which is fine. I mean, there's a pellet for everybody and some people don't like our pellets and I can't be everything to everybody. But in general, um, when we manufacture pellets, we don't use an over and all. We get a pretty fair heat. Sometimes it has to do with the cause of the pellet grill because some are single walled, like entry level grills, and then you can get it a double wall stainless grill, and you can get up to temperatures of five, six hundred degrees or a black olive. I, we have one on the back deck that we're actually uh, testing right now, and we hit six hundred degrees with our pellets all day long. So, how, I don't want to diverge, of course, but I mean, like, how do you how do you like that grill? Oh. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind that grill so much. Um, I, you know, if there was going to be an improvement, I would say uh, that it needs to hold more pellets. That That's really the biggest problem I see with the grill. It needs to hold more pellets. I like digital uh, thermometers so or controls, so I'd like to see a digital control on it. But, you know, all in due time. So it cooks good. Do you know, do you know anything about... Uh, flavor oil being used to uh, instead of using a, a hickory pellet or an apple pellet that there there might be some companies out there that have patents that you can easily find on any government website that uh, might pre might preclude them from using a regular apple wood uh, and use it this way instead yeah um, there are companies that do that and I think it's a cost factor you know, when you can shake a inexpensive wood and, um, so to speak, veneer it with a flavor of oil to come to a, you know, a finished product. Um, I, personally, I don't think it works. I've tried it, but, you know, I'm in this business because what, I, what I've seen out there and what is out there hasn't worked for me. So um, I, it's a practice. I, personally, I don't think it's a good practice, but... Um, you know, it's, it's one of those Google things. I always, you know, I tell everybody, 
you can find somebody that supplies pellets, hopefully it's us, that are close to you where freight or a dealer has, and you can get it at a reasonable price, then you're all good. That's the pellet you should use, whether it's ours or not. I think, like the, to be I think, of, of course. course, of course. I think the only thing is a little bit misrepresentative of what the product actually is, but that's neither here nor there. Um, let's go back to the to the private label thing. You said you wanted to touch on that a little bit more. Um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, private label's okay. I uh, actually I was touching on uh, really not private label, but the difference between a heating and a cooking pot. Yes, that's it's, right. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and it's a pretty big thing when you find it out, you, you know, on the different sites. I'm sure you've run into it before. Um, just the easy thing is, you know, people are like, God, you're making so much money because you're, you know, God, you know, I can get a bag of pellets at Menards for six bucks. Yeah, right. And I'm like, yeah, you can. And it's heating pellets. Most of those pellets are made with uh, a pine or a Douglas fir or, you know, woods that you really wouldn't want to cook with. And then you get the side of, well, you know, I called the mill and they said they only use furniture wood. Okay. And, yes. and I'm not going to knock everybody, but here's a couple of things to worry about, look for, and why you shouldn't use heating pellets. Um, if they're using a furniture wood or a cutoff of like uh, hammer handles or something, usually it's a chemically treated handle, so right. it lasts long. Um, if it's furniture, sometimes they're varnished, sometimes they're not. If it's good cutoff ends, they're kiln dry, which means it's got some sort of degree of uh, chemical uh, that's been added to it. And then overall, if you still think that the guy that's doing heating pellets is going to give you a good pellet that doesn't normally make pellets for the pellet grill industry, and you're just going to buy a bag for six bucks, and I've seen this happen. You buy the bag, and usually, usually, and even though you call the company, they say, yeah, we only use oak, but Billy Joe is just down the road, cut off, or cut down like 16 pine trees, and now needs to get rid of all that. He's going to go to the mill down the street and say, hey, you want this pile? And they're going to go, yes, that's <laughs> free. And I've seen it happen. So now that perfect oak bag is now got a bunch of pine in it. So plus, um, most of them now don't use uh, machine oils. We we actually use vegetable oil as a lubricant right. to pour in. It's about a quart for per ton, maybe a little bit less, um, to lube the dye so everything works good. Um, some places have used machine oils if they're a heating pellet company because it doesn't make a difference. But um, th there's a reason our pellets cost so much. One is our raw materials uh, are expensive because we use a core wood. And we're a small company. One, I mean, we really are a very small company in this industry because we don't make heating pellets. We don't have that subsequent backup for the summer to, you know, fill our coffers with. Right. So, um, you know, when I buy, I don't buy as big as they can, and it costs me more. Um, but we're buying all good, heavy heart woods, and um, and the product seems to be working. So that that's kind of my heating versus cooking pellets kind of. And of, of course, uh, everybody can go to cookingpellets.com to review your product. Of course, uh, I and you encourage them to uh, try the pellets out. They come packaged very well. Uh, you're not selling in the five-pound piece of crap sizes. Uh, it's like 40 pounds, and you know they're ready to go, ready to rock and roll. And they and they're only a yes. The, the integrity of the pellet is good. Uh, that's kind of key to me. You're not dumping in a lot of dust. After the fact, which is, uh, you know, kind of troublesome in, uh, in a lot of different senses when you're uh, cooking over and over and over again. So uh, that's what I appreciate. Uh, Chris Becker is the owner of cookingpellets.com. 
As I just mentioned, you should be buying your pellets starting right now. Cookingpellets.com. Chris, appreciate the time tonight. Let's do it again soon. we got a lot more to hit on. No problem. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. And, uh, hey, great show, man. Love Thanks. It. Appreciate it. There he is. Chris Becker. Cookingpellets.com. I had, uh, I think, six other questions to go, but that is the mark of a good guest, one that uh, is ready to rock. We'll have him back on. A lot of different stuff we can talk to him about. I want to explore more about the flavoring of the pellet. Folks, public service announcement from Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. He is a barbecue junkie, self-professed. We judged a rib contest together a little while ago. In a number of different holidays coming up, Maybe you have some special personal holidays coming up. You don't know what to do. Might I suggest a watch, whether it be for dad, for mom, a friend, a neighbor, loved one. You have Bolivar watches. You have Citizen watches. You have uh, Philip and Company watches. Philip and Company, a cottage watchmaker, which is kind of like a private. He's just located right over here on the west side of Cleveland, believe it or not. He uses uh, ETA movements. Philip hand assembles his watches personally using... ETA movements and hand-picked components starting at $895. Philips watches not only have an elegant European style, but they're affordable. All Philips watches are serial numbered and registered with Philip himself. All the watches on Stephen DeFranco Jewelers' website come with their exclusive watch performance package that includes one-year extension of the manufacturer's warranty, free engraving, free watch batteries for life of the watch, a free polishing cloth will set the time for you, and he'll ship it for free. No extra charge for that. And if you're looking for more extravagant stuff, he's a full-service jeweler. Uh, gold chains, bracelets, diamond bracelets, tennis bracelets, anklets, diamond earrings. It's your uh, wedding and engagement ring superstore. Consult with somebody that isn't going to just try and talk you up on price so they can make their commission check bigger. We don't want that. Forget it. Call Stephen, 440-943-2700. Look at his website, stephendefranco.com. When you call him, ask for Steve directly. Tell me your barbecue brother or sister. He'll be able to give you the real discounted price on a number of the things that are on his website because a lot of the manufacturers prohibit him from giving the real price. Some Something contractually there that not allowed to say. But if you call him, you ask for Steve, you tell him you're the barbecue brother or the sister. They'll hook you up. 440-943-2700, stephendefranco.com. Chris Ganahl, GQ Barbecue, next. Stick around. Seven four four eight zero four three three to get on the air. Now here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. 
if you want to jump in. Thanks again to Chris Becker for talking to me, cookingpellets.com. My next guest, killing it in the Rocky Mountain area these days. Past weekend, he added the... Uh, uh-oh, hold on. I'm hearing some bad things. Okay, hold on. Hold on a second. I'm going to pull you up right now. Here he is. There's Jason Canal right there. Jason, you're watching the show on your computer. Turn it off. You're, you're watching it somewhere. Turn it off. I know. I know. I know how these things work. Ah, you fixed it. Yes. It's not my first time during the show, Jason. <laughs> Questionable. Questionable. Uh, all right, so let me give you the proper introduction. Now, my uh, first or my next guest, killing it in the Rocky Mountain area these days, this past weekend, added the inaugural Colorado Rockies Barbecue Invitational Grand Championship notch to the belt. Here to recap the weekend, the pitmaster of the GQ Barbecue team. Let's welcome back friend of the show, Jason Ganell, ladies and gentlemen. All right, here you are. Um, before we get into that whole Colorado Rockies thing, Little recap. How does Jason Ganahl get into the competition scene? Uh, well, for me, I started out as a judge, and uh, I just being raised in Missouri and coming up in St. Louis, I ate barbecue all the time, and I just love love barbecue. And uh, having been uh, an athlete uh, in my younger days, and having been uh, just working a lot like in corporate America and then having my own business, I've always loved to just compete. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I just like to compete. I like to get up out of bed in the morning and just have a productive day and do something that's competitive. So uh, getting uh, older in life, I can't compete on the basketball court or on the, <laughs> on the baseball field or any of that other stuff at the level I used to do when I was younger. So I had to find some different avenue where I could compete at a higher level. And so I got into judging, right, just because I love barbecue and I wanted to eat really good barbecue. And also as a judge, you also sometimes get to eat really bad barbecue, which is uh, interesting as well too, right? (laughs) Nobody ever thinks of that. And so uh, I was a judge and I judged a couple contests and then that competitive bug just struck me. And uh, it wasn't long that I started competing. And then uh, all it takes is to get a a call. And I got got two calls my first contest. And after that, I I was hooked. And then it just became a a mission to just – you know, win a, win a category and then win a contest and then uh, win two contests and just on and on and on. Jason Canal joining me here on the show, Pitmaster GQ Barbecue Team. Uh, Jason, in regards to the event uh, from this past weekend, it is an invitational. So, um, you know, is there something that you did in order to, to qualify for the invite or, you know, how do you get to be a part of that? Yeah, well, I think, uh, I don't know exactly. Charles Linkford is the organizer, so I don't know exactly what his... Uh, his algorithm was for, for finding the field. But, uh, I know they had a whole, anybody who won a Rocky mountain barbecue association cup event, uh, I know he was going to try to include. So I had won a couple of Rocky mountain barbecue association cup events and that's how I got my invite into the contest. Once you got the invite, is that something that you were like, I'm in right away. Did you have to, to think about it? Were there other contests that maybe you uh, thought about taking part in that, you know, now this one presents itself, so you might have to back out? How did it go for you? Greg, does a one-legged duck swim in a circle? Yes. There was no doubt in my <laughs> mind I was doing this contest. Are you kidding me? $40,000 in my backyard here in Denver against the best of the best? No doubt about it. 
like the money is uh, probably key to every well a lot of people are going to say it's not about the money but whenever anybody says it's not about the money it's only about one thing right it's about the money so uh, pretty big overall payout pretty big grand prize um, so yeah I mean if I'm in your shoes I'm definitely in there as well when you see the list of teams some pretty big guns in there no doubt about it uh, coming from all over the place was there ever like a, a poop yourself moment in the wee hours of the night leading up to this event? Or is it just like, hey, screw it, bring it on. Let's see where we all stack up and fall out. Yeah, well, no poop myself moments. I've got twins that are two and they do plenty of pooping themselves. So I, I <laughs> tend to change diapers and not crap on myself. But I, uh, I, I, have a, I have a textual relationship with Travis Clark of Clark Crew Barbecue. And he's became a pretty good friend of mine out on the, on the uh, competition circuit. And we were texting back and forth the week before, and we were kind of predicting where we were going to come once we saw the list. And I predicted I would come in eighth place with two calls, and that was kind of my prediction. Uh, I was really excited just to compete against those teams. A lot of those teams I've never gotten to compete against, so it was a lot of fun to, to see uh, to get an opportunity just to see where you stack up against them. And, and if we would do that contest five times, there would be five different winners, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, you know, I could beat those guys all the time because that's, that's comp barbecue. You just go out there and hope you can turn in the best food and hopefully the judges would like it. But it just so happened that Saturday they liked my food and uh, it was it was great. It was great to do it here in Denver too. And it was uh, 20 teams in total. Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out on me. What was that? Sorry, it was 20 teams in total? Correct, 20 teams total, yep. So how do you derive at eighth place as a prediction? That seems, I mean, it, I would say odd. Of course it's an even number, but I mean, it seems kind of an, an odd number to pick. Yeah, yeah, good question. Uh, I, I don't know. I just I had a feeling that my pork was going to do really well. I had a feeling that my brisket was going to do really well. I, I haven't finished outside of the top five in brisket all year in any contest. And uh, this this contest, actually, ironically, I won my table but finished ninth overall. So this is the first contest I finished worse than fifth in brisket. And I thought I was going to do good in brisket, and I thought I was going to do well in pork, and I wasn't quite sure with chicken, and I wasn't quite sure with ribs. So given that and given the strength of those teams, I just thought uh, I was going to kind of come in right around eighth place. All right. So if we look at the individual results for the competition, uh, of course, chicken always goes first and you get a second place overall. So, you know, just shy of winning uh, that category. Uh, when I talk to the top pitmasters each and every week, they're like, man, you get that call on chicken. The momentum starts building. At least it gives you confidence that you might be in the mix towards the end. Uh, did, did you feel good about your chicken uh, last Saturday? Yeah, I, I thought the chicken was good. I didn't think it was great. I had this guy, Kenny Crochet, who helps me from time to time. He loved the chicken. He was like, oh, man, it's awesome. And I was like, oh, it's it's good, but it's not what I think it needs to be to win this kind of contest. If this wasn't every, you know, every typical weekend, uh, I'd, I'd feel really good about the chicken. But I wasn't sure if it was uh, top five within given the field. Um, but I tell you what was interesting, though, is when they when they were doing the awards, uh, there was a perfect score in chicken. So that that, that always kind of gets you nervous because, you know, OK, I won. Right. But you, you have no idea how many points you got. And, and I'm constantly trying to keep track of where I stand as you go through those awards. And so I know there's a perfect score. I'm thinking I've got a lot of ground to make up. And little do you know that I was only I got a 179 and some change. I was yeah. one appearance score away from a perfect score in chicken. But I don't know that at that time. So I was just nervous when I heard uh, Clark Crew, actually, Travis, who I mentioned earlier, got a 180 in and I was thinking, okay, feels great to be second place, but we got a lot of ground to make up because somebody got a perfect score. 
Uh, ribs is next. Uh, no call in ribs. Um, so, you know, I'm wondering if you're like every other pit master that I talk to. When you don't get the call, do you just figure you just tank outright in your 19th or 20th? Or did you think the ribs were good enough to, to hang around that, that top 10 area? It was 14th overall, so not terrible. Not great, but uh, given 20 teams. But, you know, where did you think you were at? Yeah, chick, uh, the ribs scored uh, 170 points. So w- what contest can you get 14th overall with 170 points in ribs? And I thought my ribs actually, I was really nervous. It, it caused a lot of uh, uh, just uh, grievance with me. Uh, we, I broke my, I have a spritzer bottle and I, I use it right before I, I close the box. And I, I use it to uh, do a, a couple different things to the food. And I do different things with, with uh, each entry. And I broke my spritzer bottle earlier in the day, so I went next door to Whiskey Pit, and he gave me a spritzel, spritzer bottle, and it was actually from David's uh, contest down in uh, Miami. It was the smoking on the run spritzer bottle that yep. they gave away to all the contestants. So I, I didn't really have it gauged properly when I was squirting my ribs, and I over-squirted my ribs. <laughs> and I didn't like the taste of them at all after uh, after tasting them because it, it was it – was, I was really scared and I looked at Kenny and I go, Kenny, what do you think? And we ran the box and he came back and we tried a rib that was unsquirted with a rib that was squirted. And usually the squirt enhances the ribs. And we both looked at each other and we're like, yep, I, I thought that was going to keep me from getting a, a top five overall was, was the ribs. So I was really nervous with that not being the one category that I didn't get a call in. I, I was, I was really nervous and I was afraid that I might've uh, tanked the category and I was relieved to find out afterwards that I didn't. Uh, we're talking with Jason Ganahl from GQ Barbecue. Uh, next category up, pork. Well, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, you win the whole damn category. Uh, does it, uh, in your opinion, looking back, was it a, a first-place pork effort? It, it wasn't. I've cooked better pork than that on the year. I, I just got lucky with uh, hitting a good table. There was, looking at the score sheet, like brisket, I won the table, and I had a good brisket, and I finished ninth overall. Pork, I've cooked better pork on the year. Um, but I, the judges... We're expecting really good food this this weekend, and taste wise, I think it was there. But texture wise, I think I cooked better better pork on the year. It was good, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't my best my best of the year. So I was, in fact, I'll tell you another funny story. I mean, I mean, these these contests. I mean, it's 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 just a collection of funny stories, right? <laughs> so uh, I looked over at Kenny, and I, I was hoping, you know, you listen for your name, and you think, okay, this is maybe a five through ten. And I was hoping to be a five through ten on pork. And uh, they call five, they call four, they call three. And I, I, I think uh, they, I, I'll kick my coverage at that point. I'm not going to get called, right? And so they call two, and I'm already – I look over at Kenny, and I go, damn. I go, we needed that category bad. And Kenny <laughs> goes – he looks at me, and he sticks one finger in the air, and he goes, hold on. Just hold on. And then they call GQ first for pork, and it was, uh, it was, it was wonderful. It's one of those moments that you live for in, as a competitor is, is getting that kind of surprise call. The pork first place in that field – uh, was definitely a surprise call for us. So now you have a, a second overall in chicken. You've won the pork category. You don't know where the hell you were on ribs at that point. Uh, brisket top ten call. You get ninth overall. Uh, a ninth place brisket. Did you think it was better than that? Uh, did you luck out? What do you think? Yeah, brisket's the category we were disappointed in. <laughs> brisket is, uh, I think, my best category right now, and I feel like I'm really consistent with it. Like I said, I haven't finished worse than worse than fifth all year, and even with the. Few- Damn, son. Damn Wi-Fi. Uh-oh. Here he is. Okay. 
Hey, Jason, back on? Yeah, I think yeah. We're, we're coming back online. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So what were we at talking about brisket? Yeah, so I, I knew after the port call. Um, can you see me okay? Mm, I can't see you at all. Oh, but you can hear me? Okay, that's good. So uh, with pork, we got the we got the call on pork, and we knew we were back in business at that point. And uh, the way the Rockies had it set up is they were calling the top nine and filling out a lineup card, just like the nine positions on the baseball field. And so uh, they turned around before we can even be in our seat. They called us for ninth and brisket. And at that point, I felt great because I got a call. But at the same time, I thought our, our chances of winning the overall were over because I was unsure and uh, somewhat – bearish on uh, what I thought my ribs might be. So I was I was happy to get a call, but at the same time, I thought we, we lost our chance at the overall with that ninth place brisket. All right, so uh, when you're called uh, overall, you, you get the whole thing, and uh, you know I guess the, the next question is when you look at this one compared to all the other contests you won, is this biggest one to date, or, or I guess how does this one stack up against uh, the other ones that you've had? Yeah, absolutely. This is the one that I, I, I probably am most proud of in terms of overall excitement. Uh, I think my first one was was pretty damn fun as well, too. It's always they say you never forget your first time. And I am talking about barbecue grand championships, Greg. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, this one was just really fun to be able to do it in Denver in my backyard and to be able just to I, I think uh I mean, I don't know. I haven't been around Count Barbecue long enough, and I don't know a lot of the guys that do this all over the place. But for whatever reason, I just get this sense that when a team rolls in from Colorado or just the Rocky Mountain time zone, no one really worries about them at all. So it was just a, a lot of fun to be able to just kind of send a message to a lot of those other teams like, hey, there's some good cookers out here in the Rocky Mountain Barbecue Association. And uh, I was I was really proud to be able to do that um, for just the same hometown and uh, for all the, the other teams that are out here as well, too. Jason, uh, I don't want to get too particular into the money stuff here, but you get three calls. Uh, I don't know how long and deep they were paying out here, but what was the, the total money take for the weekend for Team GQ? Uh, $11,850.00. Wow, eleven eight fifty. So a pretty decent payday for a weekend's work, right? Yeah, I'm only about fifty thousand dollars now in the hole. In oh barbecue. my god! I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, I don't think a lot of people talk about, you know, when you win, and that that's you know really one of the the bigger paydays that you're gonna see. I mean, it, you know, I guess it's not fifty thousand overall like you're gonna get at Kingsford, but those are far and few between, obviously. Um, so when you win, you know, just shy of twelve G's on a weekend. You know, barbecue doesn't seem to be getting any cheaper, as you kind of mentioned. Do you sink it just all back into the sport? Do you do you save a chunk and then reinvest the remainder? I mean, how do you diversify the fundage? Yeah, well, I'm kind of at a, a crossroads right now. I've got a, uh, a, a four-year-old that just turned five, so I guess she's five now. Uh, she turned five last week, so she's going to be starting kindergarten. And I got these twins that, that are two years old, so I'm kind of looking to get back into the the workforce. I've been a stay-at-home dad with them uh, as they kind of went through their toddler years. And uh, I'm trying to monetize barbecue. I'm trying to find a way to uh, to make a living out of it. And uh, so w- what I'm doing is I'm going to use that money to help promote uh, classes for, for, for backyard cooks to try to be able to just reduce that learning curve. So I know when I started out, I had a little Brinkman offset from Home Depot. And I'm, I did countless cooks on that thing. And, uh, of course, you have the Internet, you have your show. Those roundtables you had in the beginning were great. And uh, 
I just wish I would have been able to take like a class that wouldn't have cost $400 or $500 or something like that from somebody who actually knew what they were talking about. I took a, uh, a very generic class and uh, I don't feel like I learned anything from it, but I would love to have found somebody who were successful on the, on the competition trail to be able to teach me things without me having to learn on my own, which would have really greatly increased the learning curve. So that, that's what I'm going to try to do. So I'm going to try to give a series of uh, classes, different ones every single month for those backyarders that want to really ramp up their learning curve and cook really good food. Yeah, sounds like an excellent, excellent idea. We're talking with Jason Goodall. He is the pitmaster of GQ Barbecue Team. And by the way, folks, I don't want to give it all away here, but if you like Jason tonight, you'll like him next week as he is part of the panel of brisket roundtables, ladies and gentlemen. You're pumped up for that, right, Jay? Oh, yeah. I, I won't be able to sleep the night before, I'm sure. All right. Uh, you just prepare to share, and everything will take care of itself. I'll make sure you look like gold, buddy. <laughs> awesome. All right, uh, Jay Zaganal, we will see you next week on the Brisket Roundtable, my man. Thanks for coming on. Great. Craig, thanks for having me. I love watching your show, and thanks so much for having me on again. Appreciate yep, it. it. Look forward to next week. There he is, Jason Ganal, pitmaster of GQ Barbecue Team, and one of the three panelists that will make up the Barbecue Roundtable. All right, we're a little late. I stayed over. That was my fault. That was not Jason's fault. Let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the Barbecue Central Shell, the Barbecue Guru. Makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. Um, I, first-hand account, broke out the Party Q unit over the weekend. Let me tell you something. Folks, if you're looking for an entry model, you know, nothing too geeky. If you want, if you got multiple pits and you want the internal temperatures of the meat and you want to be able to control it from your smart device or your tablet or whatever, you know, Party Q probably not for you. But when we're talking about $149 point of entry, it literally runs on four AA batteries. If I can install it, anybody can install it. Comes with a couple different um, vent modifications uh, for the most popular cookers. Um, I put it on my Bubba keg and set it for 300 degrees, and it held temperature. Folks, I'm not kidding. And I have it. Uh, I have the proof because I watched it. All day and all night, I fired it up at 9 o'clock in the morning. This thing held 300 degrees on a decent load of lump charcoal until 10 o'clock at night. And I just got tired and turned it out and snuffed it. There were still coals left. So, A, that goes to show you how well-insulated the Bubba Keg is, but how efficient that party queue is. And again, for 149 bucks, You kidding me? You kidding me? You got to look into it. Again, there is CyberQ Wi-Fi if you want to get all techie on it. number of different models to choose from. Uh, TheBBQGuru.com or 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Or TheBBQGuru.com. Give them a call if you're confused. They'll help you. We'll be back to wrap up the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. Barbecue Central Show. try it again hey welcome back thanks for uh, joining me and thanks for uh, or thanks to jason goodall for joining me this past night gq barbecue winner of the inaugural colorado rockies barbecue competition a lot of big teams there iowa smoky d's was there big pop smokers was there a lot of big teams all right uh we will get ready to head to the second hour Thanks again to my first guest, Chris Becker from cookingpellets.com. Thanks to my second guest, Jason Ganahl from GQ Barbecue. Coming up in the second hour, lots of fun stuff to talk about. Let me uh, get to my workflowy, and I will tease you just a little bit. Uh, we will talk about a little bit of a recap of what the first guest had to say in the first hour. We'll talk about who will be on the show next week. We will recap the teams that are moving on to the Madison-Wisconsin Regional Final at the Sam's Club as well. Your phone calls, your emails, and might I say, happy birthday to David Bosco. Boom! Happy birthday, man. Glad you stopped in on the birthday. Uh, we will be back. Refresh your drinks. Lots of fun stuff to get to. Telling you. It's going to be a second hour like you can't believe. We might even rehash the lady that fell off the diving board because she plugged her nose. You never know what's going to happen on this show. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. You are listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? We ate since before wieners. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Ooh, top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. This, and you have found, is the Barbecue Central Show. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. 
It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I explained what the barbecue capital of the North Coast is last week. Get it? I'm going to repeat it. If you want to jump in tonight, more than happy to have you. TheBBQCentralShow.com is the main website. The phone number is 216-220-0966. The email address is greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. I was supposed to have an in-studio guest tonight, and he bailed. Douche. Bad karma, Desmond. He was going to be a great guest. I'm still going to hold out hope that uh, my man Desmond, neighbor, who's now just slightly ticked down on the list of awesome, will be in next week. We'll see. Could happen. You never know. Just reading something here. All right. Um... Oh, yeah. All right. Mr. King is recounting his loving of the lady basically killing herself on the diving board. All right. If you missed it, I'm going to pull it right up. This is how you don't. This is how you don't go off of the diving board. Folks, it is very important that one remembers that... uh, Oh, 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 no! Oh, you can't do that. Oh, oh. All right. Let me see if I can get audio back on that again. Remember, you can look up at the top left. She plugs her nose, and then it goes all downhill from there. Watch your friend just take right off. This lady poops herself. Oh, oh, oh. oh my God! Oh, sorry. I screwed that up. I screwed that up. Let's do it again. Look at Nope, hang on, she lets go, double, oh yeah. 9.9 on the rotation, though. I mean, is anyone else concerned? Where the hell are the lifeguards? You know, all kidding kidding aside, you know, she could be dead. She could have fell the wrong way. Could have been, could have gone very wrong for her gone very wrong for her. But this is what I'm talking about. This is what I said. If you're going to bring it strong, bring it strong. You can't get on a six-meter board, one rung down from the ten-meter board. Literally get to jump point and then decide as your feet and the balls of your feet are hanging off the side and all the momentum is going out to the water that you don't want to do it. No. Don't plug your nose. Everybody that's swimming, kids and adults alike, I mean, kids, I guess I can get it. Adults that still plug your nose, what the hell is wrong with you? Don't plug your nose. Take the. It's more manly to take water up your nose and be uncomfortable than plugging your nose as an adult. You want to be made fun of for the rest of your life? Plug your nose at the pool if you're over eight. That's what I'm talking about. All right, still to come on the show tonight, John Nilgis, pitmaster of Parrothead Smokers. Looking forward to John. Also, Sylvie Curry from Lady of Q. Looking forward to talking about her win this past weekend at Vista. Uh, Coming up on the show next week, if you can believe it or not, next week finds the first weekend and what? Or the first Tuesday in what? August. Oh, my God, it's month eight. It's here. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, 2014 rapidly coming to a close. 
as we begin August, which leads to September, which leads to one of the busiest competition months of the year being October. So get ready for the heat, as it were. Also coming up on the show next week, we will uh, revive the barbecue roundtable competition style. Brisket, ribs, pork, chicken, perhaps in that order, but we're definitely leading off with brisket. Jason Ganahl is slated and locked, and uh, we're going to be getting some other great pitmasters to talk about the brisket. And here's, if you want to be considered for brisket, you know, I'm still open. I haven't locked down the other two positions yet because I'm always evaluating. You know, you got to be able to talk well. But more importantly than that, I mean, we do want some character. You have to be willing to share it all. I'm not going to pay you to come on the show and pay your $500 class fees and other crap. Do something from the goodness of your heart. Lay out what you do. If you aren't scared of really telling it all on a podcast it's only going to be downloaded 10 or 12,000 times a month for the rest of its existence dare i say the competition roundtables are the most sought after podcasts in barbecue podcasting right now or live shows i'm not kidding when i say that i can go back through and produce documentation numbers and legitimize that claim these are the most popular shows that i will do all year i don't even think i did one last year We're bringing them back all month of August. All four weeks. You get it. Here we go. Boom, boom. Hey, folks, the 2014 Sam's Club series rolled into Desmond's, Iowa this past weekend. This was a local event qualifier seeing the top six teams move on to the Madison, Wisconsin regional final. That'll take place this Saturday coming August 2nd. And the top six teams moving on to Madison. Wisconsin, in particular order, are taking grand champion at a 692 and almost, uh, well, 6 tenths. Templeton Rye Woodfellas. Templeton Rye. Taking a little grandpa's cough medicine. Coming in your reserve grand champion at a 686 and 2 tenths Spitfire. The third overall, Pork Patrol. Pork Patrol! Pork Patrol Barbecue. Fourth place, Burnt at Both Ends, with a Z. Fifth place, True Bud Barbecue. Team of the Year, reigning. And rounding out the six, I don't want to say by the skin of their teeth, but a former Sam's Club National Champion winner, Justin McLawn and Lucky's Q in for Madison. So... Start crapping the bed, boys. Okay, hold on a second. Just reading. Never mind the radio silence. It's not uncomfortable. If it doesn't make you uncomfortable, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Uh, don't forget the next Sam's Club event is this weekend coming, the regional final. So uh, next Tuesday we will be taking in, I believe there have been, well, let's consult the big board as it were. KCBS.us. I believe there's only like one competition left too for, uh, whatchamacallit, Florida Barbecue Association. Let me look at the Sam's Club here. 
uh, we have the where where does it say results? Uh, Las Vegas Nevada regional final is done and in the books early, and we will have our second one next week. Madison Wisconsin eight two, and then on uh, nine six the South Haven Mississippi. 920 Midwest City, Oklahoma, and the end of August, the Richmond, the Commonwealth, Richmond, Virginia, culminating in the Sam's Club National Barbecue Championship, which is September 27th. So there you go. Quick note, by the way, uh, last weekend, Iowa Smokey D's was uh, leading the Team of the Year points race in the KCBS. Uh, little switcheroo, Donnie Bray and Warren County Pork Choppers has snatched it back and is in the lead by 37 points. You have a 27-87 taking it right now. You have Darren Worth closely behind it, a 27-50 in the American Dream Barbecue team. Uh, that, of course, being David Qualls at a seven, uh, 27-21. So 66 points separate one through three. That's close. And I bet they're all chasing like crazy. Of course, um, Donnie Bray wanting to pull out team of the year after a hotly contested race last year. Darren Worth could probably care less. He just wants big trophies. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, David Qualls was able to snatch it, given his desire to, to really show his cooking prowess this year. We'll see how it shakes out. Only four months left, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. It's close. It's a nail batter. John Nil just coming up out of the break. Uh, if you didn't know, Big Papa Smokers is the one-stop shop for anyone interested in barbecue, featuring a comprehensive selection of all American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. That's right. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs. Their rubs have won almost every major barbecue event, including the 2012 and 13 World Series of Barbecue in Kansas City. The 2012 Jack Daniels Invitational, the 2013 Kingsford Challenge, the 2014 Houston Livestock and Rodeo, many more to come. BPS has also banded together with fellow California-based barbecue rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what's now become the West Coast offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based barbecue rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and have begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two of their own unique competitions, King of the Smoker, which brings the best of the best in the barbecue head-to-head in a back-to-basics competition. The competition is unique in that contestants may not use any electric devices such as pellet cookers or pit miners. Contestants are just allowed to use charcoal wood and their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. And then, of course, there is that guinea pig, which is a cost-controlled competition that helps to bring in newcomers to competitive barbecue. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, which helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the world of barbecue. On top of all that, BPS has created a unique brand ambassador program, the Big Papa Smokers Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit the children's charities across the U.S., Also, keep in mind that Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all this with only four years in the business. 
turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their unique competition, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. to boot. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers, and you can check them out at BigPapaSmokers.com, a proud sponsor of this show and proud to have them. Parrothead Smokers on deck. Stick around. We'll be right back. From the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by CookinPellets.com. Chris Becker. Premium wood pellets. Not going to ruin any warranty on your pellet cooker. Do yourself a favor. You heard him on here earlier. Order, order 40 or 80 pounds. Be happy that you did. CookinPellets.com. You can also purchase on Amazon.com as well. CookinPellets.com. Hook up with some. You'll be happy you did, especially if you if you don't have a pellet fire cooker, you're probably not going to want to hook up that quick. You can put them on gas grills, too, if you want. Whatever. Uh, my next guest, someone who has been up and down the competition trail for years. He has seen it all, probably won most of it all at one time or another as well, and just recently got his 50th. KCBS win, and that also qualified him for the Jack this year as well. Let's go ahead, race back to the hotline. Welcome, Pitmaster of Parrot Head Smokers, John Nilgis, joining us here on the show. John, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, thank you. Uh, appreciate you making time for the show tonight, John. You know, a, a lot of folks have seen competition barbecue now on TV or in some other kind of media form. And they get hooked, and boom, it's off they go. Maybe they take a class. Uh, maybe they just jump right into whatever local competition is. If we look back on Parrothead Smokers and your indoctrination into here, how were you introduced to the sport, and, and what keeps you coming back year after year? Well, you know, it was probably about 12 years ago when I got started. And, and like everyone, you know, you just you love to eat it, and you start cooking it at home. And, and there was a, uh, a friend of mine here in town that he used to compete years ago. And, uh, you know, he'd come over and say, why don't you give it a try? And I was always just too darn scared to do it. And finally jumped in there and uh, and, and gave it a go. Got a couple of calls. And, you know, <laughs> ever since then, it's all been uh, uphill or downhill. I'm not sure which. <laughs> uh, what are you cooking on these days, uh, Pitwest? I'm cooking on an old Horizon that I, I bought a couple years ago from uh, the True Bud, True Bud Boys. And uh, and I think they got it from Jeff Staney, and it just kind of got moved around, and 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 I love it. I love cooking on logs. That's a lot of wins on that pit, I bet, right? There's been, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's been a few on that. Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, when you first got into it, um, were you offset? Uh, did you use some of the cabinet smokers? Uh, what was the the first pits that you were using? You know, when I first started, it was just a small little, um, you know, Oklahoma Joe offset, and then it. it 
right in with both feet and went into a giant Dave Close, you know, 30-inch, 10-foot-long barrel pit, and, and that thing was a monster, and, and, and then got a smaller one, and then I think at some point kind of transitioned into the into the Fast Eddies and went through a whole lot of those with him, and, and uh, you know, sleep started to become an issue, and, and, and then kind of went into the stumps and and had some trailers built and a lot of different stumps. I loved those and they were easy to use and and kind of been all over the board webers and and uh and and kind of back to where I started now. Back back with an offset and a tent and a couple plastic tables and cooking out of the back of a truck. And you decided sleep was again overrated, right? That's ah, way overrated. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, like the last couple of years, you know, you cook 30, 35 contests a year, and you start thinking, my God, I've lost 70 Friday nights of sleep here in the last two years. And it, it starts to explain a lot of things at work and at home. Uh, John, let me back up just for a second. You know, I'm always interested to, to hear how teams name themselves uh perhaps it leaves nothing to the imagination but you're either a really uh a really big parrot head fan or you like parrots well <laughs> i guess we're the big jimmy buffett fans we've seen them <laughs> you know a few different times and, and and going back to the first contest i didn't realize you needed a team name i thought you just signed up and paid your money and and, and there it was on the app I'm like my god what what am i going to call myself i i had no clue i thought well we're Jimmy Buffett fans, and we're going to play some music, and, and, and I thought, well, I'll just change it, and, you know, 150, 200 contests later, it hasn't changed, and probably never will at this point. You know, John, you've been doing, as you said, for 12 years plus now, you know, back when you first started, you were probably prepping and cooking a bit differently than you are today, you know, over the years, what have been the biggest changes that you have had to make in order to remain competitive on the circuit? Oh, well, you know everything has, has changed. I, you know all the all the cooks have got better equipment now, and the, you know they all have trailers and they're taking classes and and you know the internet. And you just you know when I got started, it just seemed like it was it was just trial and error. I mean, you talk to some other cooks, but. You just kept plugging away and plugging away and plugging away, and you know it, you go to a contest and it's like if I could only get one call, and you know, and then you got one call, and then you know you did that for a while. If I could just get two, and you just kind of kept working at it um, that way. But I think the use of uh, a lot for me, you know, you're just going to to compete. You're just using higher end meat all the time too. You know, we're we're all using. You know, instead of two dollar brisket now we're using six dollar pound brisket and you know and pure red hogs and you know organic chicken and uh, it it seems like the quality of meat that you use is uh, at least what I'm using is definitely a lot higher than what I started with and but rubs and sauces for me haven't changed much, and you know pits have come and gone and but i i guess I guess that's the main thing is is just uh is, is the price we're paying for the beef that we're using and the meat that we're using has the you know and I guess it didn't i guess have to evolve that way I mean everybody could still be using the stuff you get at Sam's and and the more inexpensive stuff instead of the uh, specially made chickens and the specially made sure. ribs and the the pork and the bris blah 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 um do you think that the the evolution of the quote unquote better quality meat has brought down the the overall funness of the sport and made it more of a job per se. 
When it's 35 times a year, it's a job, whether you're using <laughs> Wagyu or using Sam's Club brisket. Um, you know, there's so much money involved to, uh, you know, at the end and, and just getting into it. it. It does feel like a job a lot of times. And, and you know, I've done so many here in the last couple of years this year. I'm trying to cut back and, and, uh, and, and make it more fun again and, and take a little pressure off and, and I'm having more fun this year than I have in a while. And, and, uh, but you, you know, I still feel like I need to use those, that higher end stuff. Cause I know the guy next to me probably is too. John, do you think that uh, barbecue on the television, is that like good stuff just for the industry in general? Uh, is there some detraction to that or are you kind of indifferent about when you see it on TV? Oh, I watch it all. You know, I love it. I love the, you know, Tipmaster stuff, and you know a lot of those guys, and, you know, the DVQ show. I love that. You know, I love where they mix in the, the barbecue places and, and the competition part of it. And, and it's good for the sport. We see so many new teams out there and new contests. And I, I sometimes wonder about the judging a little bit if it hasn't, if that hasn't suffered. Uh, a lot of new judges, so you're getting, you know, you're going to, the contest where there's a lot of new judges and I, I think the scores kind of, you know, you see that with, with bad tables and, and, uh, you know, and, and some of the comments that, you know, so, the things you see on some of these shows where they're talking about, Oh, well, there's a little bit of fat in your, in the pork. So we had to judge it down. Like, well, you know, so you're seeing judges, I think come up with, with their own rules based off of what they see on TV instead of using the standard KCBS stuff. So, that to me is the only kind of the downfall is that is that some of the rules I think are getting tweaked a little bit. John Nilgis from Parrothead Smokers joining me here on the show. You know, John, I mentioned that you just won the fiftieth uh, KCBS contest in your illustrious career. Uh, how many events do you look to do during the season? I know you said you just uh, cut back this year, but you know, before this year, how many were you trying to to get in? Um, like I said, the last couple of years have been over 30. This year is probably going to be under 20. And that's kind of the cycle for me over the last dozen years is, you know, do go crazy for a, a year or two and then cut way back and, and, uh, try to relax and get stuff done at home and at work again. And, and then, you know, do that for a year or so and then go back out and hit it hard again. I, I guess I'm getting older and it's getting tougher to, to do it that many times a year and you know maybe they'll switch back and go to a, a trailer sort of a thing and get back in the air conditioning and out of the wind and out of the sun and all that and and that will extend it a few more years so you know probably from here on out i would guess you know in the teens probably the most for me are you surprised um that when you see a guy like johnny trigg i mean obviously he's been doing this uh, some would say for six seven hundred years uh, that he still does the amount of competitions that he does and that he still you know, seems to have quite a, a passion for it. I mean, you talk about how you're getting older and you don't want to burn out, but when you look at somebody like that, uh, I mean, that's kind of remarkable, right? It's, it's amazing. I think about him a lot, too, and, and you know, just go, my God, I, I, you know, he's done it way longer than I have and probably do it way longer than I will. And, and, uh, just, and I think he's having the, the time of his life right now, too, and, and good for him. You know, we've talked yeah. quite a bit on this show, uh, especially lately, about Team of the Year as it pertains kind of like to the sheer amount of events that one has to cook if you're really going to give yourself a shot at making that run during the course of a season. 
Is that something that in the in the years that you're going to go crazy? Is that something that's on the agenda or the goal list, or do you not enter in a season that even when you're going to do thirty plus, uh, that, that that the goal is to win a team of the year? No, uh, you know, uh, I've chased it a little bit here and there, you know, for a few years. I guess my goal has never been to to win that. It always seemed just you know too far out to not even think about it. It'd be like thinking about winning the Royal or winning the Jack or something like that. And it's just my goal generally is I want to get back to the Jack every year and, uh, you know, maybe win one of the team of the year categories like chicken or something like that. It, it, it seems more of a reasonable goal for me. And, uh, but you know, if it's there, you're going to chase it, you know, been close a few times, but, uh, no, I, to start the year out. No, it wouldn't be a goal for me. Do you think winning team of the year has that uh, value attached to it as, as some perceive, or I guess in other words, can the cook who can only afford to do, let's say, five, six, seven events each year potentially be better than the team that can run 35 and 40 events and, and wins the team of the year? Yeah, no, I, I agree that it's, uh, you know, the best cooks always don't get in the jack either. So it's, you know, if you can only cook five or six or ten times, you know, you're not going to have a shot at team of the year. But don't mean you're not a good cook. It's just, you know, you got to be out there running at least, you know, every weekend, if not every other weekend. And, uh, and you know, and then in the categories, it, it, that seems like it's even more important that, that you're out there banging away every weekend to, to get those points to add up. But, I mean, you can do it, but you, you better be darn good. <laughs> uh John, you've seen the sanctioning body KCBS evolve over the years. I mean, uh, as you said, 12 years you've been in it. How do you find the growth, and what do you think is good with KCBS right now, and, and what do you think might need tweaking, if anything? You know, that's a good question. I uh, You hear a lot of guys gripe grab about judging, judging and, and that type of thing, and and, and they've tweaked that a lot, and, and I don't know that, it, that it's really made a whole lot of difference over the years. Seems like the, the the you know the teams that won before were winning after the changes were made and and not nothing really changed there. So I you know I don't know. I guess I would sometimes I think the the meat inspection thing could be um, I don't know I, I don't want to say done away with, but it it just seems like a formality really that that you know especially. If you can use Hormel and Tyson type injected meats, why can't I inject it at home? You know, with the same thing. You know, what are we inspecting for? And uh, other than to catch cooked meat, and you're never going to catch that anyway. So, uh, I don't know what I would tweak. I think it's fine. I, you know, it, it, I enjoy cooking KCBS contests. I wouldn't consider doing anything else. I, I enjoy it, and and I like the, uh, you know just the, the the quality that it brings to a to a contest and and i just don't have any problems with it i guess we're talking with john nilgis the uh, pitmaster parrothead smokers uh, john you live in uh south dakota correct that's right all right so i mean that's home of well you know probably not a lot of barbecue events in the course of a season uh so i assume you're obviously on the road quite a bit how many miles are you racking up when you're really into it well, I'll tell you, I bought a new truck a couple of years ago, and I think after the after the end of last season, I had darn near two hundred thousand miles on that thing. Now, there's, there's some work involved there too with it, but uh, it was a lot of miles. Uh, I know one chunk there, I'd gone to Tampa, 
and then come home and then went to like Albuquerque, came home, went to flight to Louisiana, back to Atlanta, and within within six weeks, you know, I think I had five oil changes put on there. And uh, I'm trying to, you know, trying to cut back. And, and like I said, and, and you know, we have four or five in South Dakota now, and Iowa's got a lot, Nebraska and Minnesota. So and you can do 20 and not, you know, have to drive more than four or five hours away. You know, there's there's probably not a lot of people that I can talk to that tell me that they live in South Dakota. Is that someplace <laughs> you were born and raised? Did you move there? Like, I mean, a lot, no, of, a lot of people I, I think it's a... I was born and raised in Nebraska, Cornhusker fan for life. And, you know, we moved up here on, in, back in 76, I guess. And then uh, I've been in South Dakota ever since. I love it. Are there any events that you haven't been to competition-wise that you would like to get it to some point, or have you pretty much done them all and seen them all? Uh, I would love to go to Memphis in May. That's the one that I have not made made it to, and then maybe you know someday go down to uh, like the Houston one and uh, just go wander around down there for a while. Other than that, you know, been to the Royal, done that, and Jack, and cooked all over the country, and. Um, and I love the driving. You better. Oh, you better. <laughs> you, you better love it. But you know, cooked in all down south and out west, and and uh, the only problem is, you know, you, you you drive to all these places. You're in New Orleans, and you rush down there and and set up, and you get going, and and you're in your, in your tent, and and you get done, and you rush home because you got another contest the next week, and everybody says, "Well, gosh, you're in New York, in New Orleans. Did you have a great time?" And you're like, "All I ever saw was the tent." The boy, the love, the love's truck stop in Mississippi was fantastic. So <laughs> that's kind of the downfall. You see, you know, it's all it's all road time. Uh, John, talk to me quickly uh, before I let you go about the Jack. Uh, as I had mentioned, you know, with the fiftieth win, you also qualified because uh, you hit number seven uh, in that a lot of time frame. But of course, uh, you also qualify under that ten year rule. I guess for the folks that don't know what that rule is, if you could just uh, briefly tell us about it, and then you know what does it mean qualifying in in two different ways to go down to the jack again? Uh, it's it's amazing. I'll tell you, I've tried for years and years to get that seventh win and never did it. Got six and got six and got six, and finally this year we got seven and then and then didn't need it because we like you said we qualified under the uh, nine year rule and we have been to the jack nine times. And then in your in your tenth year after your first win, they uh, they give you an automatic. So uh, we were already in last fall and knew it, and that took a lot of pressure off. So that's why and you know, one of the reasons we didn't have to cook as much this year too. And and uh, and and I think we're only like the third or fourth team that's done the ten year thing. So pretty proud of that. Yeah, I think uh, what do we got? Uh, maybe a well, I was going to say Myron Mixon, but I think he fell short. I know uh, I think Chris Hart from IQ is probably one of those as well. I think so, and my buddy Q, uh, he's uh, as I like to remind him over and over and over. He he is the fourth one, so Mike is going in. Mike and Beth are going in as uh, under the ten year uh, rule this year too. So, but he, uh, I beat him in now, Mike. I know you're listening by about one hour because I was cooking in Ohio. <laughs> and it was a different time zone, and by God, he he will debate me for six months about it, but. You know, I, I know what time it was. <laughs> uh, John, is, in your opinion, uh, is the Jack, you know, when you win it, is that kind of the, the crowning jewel of a uh, competition career? Uh, is it something that is uh, at all overhyped? What's your take on the Jack? 
It would be. I can't imagine, uh, you know, in my wildest dreams, winning the Jack or, or winning the, either one of the Royals. And uh, that would be it. You know, I don't know what else you'd have to accomplish if you did that. I, I, I can't imagine that feeling. Where are you going to be setting up shop at next, Jeff? Uh, don't know. Probably Minnesota. Uh, we're going to be vacationing up that way uh, next week. So, wife don't know it yet, but uh, I think I'm going to peel away for a couple of days and and uh, go up and do Brainerd, Minnesota, and then and then after that, you know, the the Jack, the new Jack year's upon us, so it'll be go 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 come September and October. John Nilgis is the pit master of Parrot Head Smokers. You will see him at the Jack Daniels this year. Uh, John, really enjoyed catching up with you, man. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for calling, Greg. Yeah, you got it. There he is. John Nilgis, pitmaster of Parrothead Smokers. Um, look for the newbies that are just kind of getting around or getting into the competition scene, or maybe you're somebody like me who just kind of fouls it because of the sport of it, and you're not familiar with who John is. Do your homework. Realize that who we just had on the phone, one of the most prolific competition cooks currently and uh, in, the, in the annals of history ever in competition barbecue. And the guy who's consistently in the chase when he's really putting the, the pedal of the metal, a guy who is putting huge miles on the car, again, in South Dakota. I didn't even think like people lived in South Dakota, except for the Mount Rushmore. So uh, realize the, the class of cook that uh, just graced the proverbial airways here. He's a big deal. He's kind of a big deal. All right, folks, let me talk to you about El Diablo Mustard. Folks, July is the height of grilling season, and El Diablo Mustard wants to turn your ordinary barbecue into some of the hottest stuff on earth. Try adding some El Diablo fiery habanero, roasted chipotle, flaming jalapeno, or spicy mango into your sauce. Marinate or rub for a new flavor kick that's hot and intense. El Diablo features six bold flavors that taste great and hot as hell. For instance, try mango for island heat on your meat. At a kick of Southwest with roasted chipotle. For blazing layers of flavor, try Steakhouse for a zing of Worcestershire and tangy tomato. Make an ordinary hot dog an instant chili dog with El Diablo's Texas chili mustard. Or try jalapeno on some hot bacon or perhaps a burger or a ham sandwich like I do every day. For real jalapeno puree and mustard zing. Or if you got the Scott Roberts fiery palate, habanero. It's a flavor inferno for you daring types that demand all heat all day. So get grilling, add some heat to your meat. Connect with El Diablo on the Facebook or on the Twitters for recipes, tips, and giveaways. Bold flavors, great taste, hot as hell. And let me mention, El Diablo Diablo will be at the National Mustard Day celebration this Saturday, that's August 2nd, in Middleton, Wisconsin, just outside of Madison. There's going to be a big barbecue competition up there in Madison as well. Go seek out El Diablo for the National Mustard Day celebration. Again, that's in Middleton, Wisconsin, at the home of the National Mustard Museum with free samples of all their flavors. National Mustard Day is 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit mustardmuseum.com. That's mustardmuseum.com. August 2nd, Middleton, Wisconsin, National Mustard Day celebration. Free samples of all their flavors. You're going to love them all if you're up there. And if you're not up there... Check them out, ldiablomustard.com. All right, we are back with winner of the Vista competition this past weekend. 
loyal centralite soon to be all-star of the barbecue central show sylvie curry right after this stick around we'll be right back advice on cooking brisket and ribs and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue it's the barbecue central show all right welcome back to the show 216-220-0966 greg at the bbq central show.com joining me now as I just mentioned on the way into the segment, a loyal centralite, a competition cook, the pitmaster of Lady of Q. Let's welcome first timer to the show, Sylvie Curry, joining me here on the show. Sylvie, how are you? I'm doing good, and you? Doing absolutely fabulous, Sylvie. Appreciate you asking, and more importantly, thank you for making time tonight. Um, you know, I guess before we get into the uh, regaling tales of uh, taking Vista, California by storm this past weekend. You know, maybe a little background about you for the people that aren't in the chat room every weekend, uh, newcomers to the show. Uh, how did you get into competition barbecue? How were you introduced? And, and I guess what do you find so uh, appealing about it? <laughs> well, I was introduced into competition barbecue by our good friend, Neil Big Mr. Strother. About a few years ago, back in 2006, I used to have a food blog, and he gave me a call one day and said, well, we want to form a competition barbecue team. You're interested? Keep in mind, I didn't even know him. <laughs> and so I, I said, oh, okay. And, you know, all I've done is a little bit of backyard grilling, but not any real hardcore smoking or anything like that. So I said, what the heck? So we formed the team, and that was uh, the days of 4Q. We had three guys and myself, and we started competing. Uh, are are you a uh, SoCal born and bred? Uh, did you move out there like transplant or? I'm born and bred in Los Angeles, California, and just recently moved uh, two years ago to uh, Northern San Diego County. So you know, as you're growing up and you've heard all of the you know West Coast doesn't know barbecue over the years, and obviously that that whole landscape has changed, especially over the last three or four years. But when you're putting that team together, I mean, how do you go about building flavor profiles and, and finding out what the best way to cook ribs and, and brisket chicken and pork are? Well, when we first started out with 14 members, we assigned one meat to each person. Um, Neil had brisket, I had the pork, uh, Susie Sakai had ribs, and Luis Ramirez had the chicken. And we just all on our own developed our own way of cooking it, went out to a competition and at the Gene Oxy Museum, which was, um, the promoter there was Ollie Bragg, and we cooked, and we didn't do very well, except we did get a fifth in ribs, and from there, everybody was hooked, and we just continued to cook. So, the profile over time, we, we changed a little bit, but uh, as for q uh, we were just sort of like hit or miss. Did the uh, the team just uh, go separate ways, or was there a lot of uh, 
let's say, competition where you wanted to, to see how you could do on your own? Uh, how does Pork You blow up? Um, first off was Neil. He decided to go and form Big Mr. Barbecue. And so that just left uh, the other two guys and myself. And in time, uh, one of the other guys started having babies in a family, so that took away his time from being able to, to compete. And then Susie and I continued for another couple of years, and then he sort of backed off and had other family obligations, so I was on my own. And so I just started cooking myself and went solo from then. And 2011 was the last time I cooked at 4Q, and I changed my name to Lady of Q, 2012. Been on my own solo cook with just my husband as my pit bitch. Yeah, well, bringing it strong tonight, Sylvie. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Uh, hopefully he's not listening. Um, so I was just going to say, so your solo cook. Uh, is, I mean, is your husband there uh, at every event, or is he just there when he's available? Uh, he's there at probably ninety-eight percent of the events. Uh, he's, you know, my muscle. He helps lift and set up and break down. He's my taster. Uh, and he also runs my boxes. So he's there most of the time. If he's out of town or something like that, then, you know, I'll get my daughter or someone else to help me. Uh, so obviously you're the, the pit master. You're making all the calls on flavors and, and cook times and all this stuff. But, you know, a lot of people, uh, and I'm going to be sexist just for a second, but, you know, especially the men here, they might do a, uh, a barbecue event to kind of get away from the significant other, have a little me time. Uh, and you have your husband with you the majority of the time. Do, does, do things ever get contentious in camp, or it's kind of know your role and shut your mouth type of deal? Right, no, you know your role, shut your mouth. Um, and he, he's very, he's very good at it, and he he knows when you know it's a real stressful period and to stay away from me. If I call him to come in and taste something, he comes in and does it, and he's good at it. So he doesn't try to you know forcing anything on me or anything like that. If the box is not looking good to him, he may point out something, and if I like his suggestion, I'll take it. If not, I go on and do what I want to do. Now, when we look at this uh, weekend's past event uh, a little bit more intimately, um, okay. you know, anything out of the ordinary that you had to contend with or that you didn't account for? I mean, a lot of teams here, 60 teams is, is a big event uh, and a lot of good teams to boot. So uh, how were you leading into the event? Uh, leading into the event, number one, I had karma. Of course. Granted, <laughs> it never doesn't work. I, I told you. The I told you. Karma, so I knew it was going to be a good cook. Right. <laughs> and so then I, uh, it, was, it was one of those type of cooks who is scary good because the only thing that I had a problem with was my chicken. And I just couldn't get it to get the color that I wanted on it. Uh, everything else, the cook just went perfect. It was like, oh, wow. Um, and even into boxing things up, it was, everything was perfect. You know, when we, when we look at those individual results, uh, as you said, you, you uh, suffered a little bit with the chicken, uh, 26, so still top half of the field. Uh, but you, you won pork. Uh, you got eighth place in ribs. You got first place bricket. So you win two categories. When you don't get a chicken call, um, and, and, you know, maybe, well, okay, I asked Jason the same thing. I'm going to ask you. If you don't get uh-huh. a chicken call, do you think you're hanging around the top 10, or do you just go right to the fact that you, maybe you're around 60th? Well, for this particular event, because I knew my chicken wasn't that good, it didn't disturb me. 
Uh, and I knew that my brisket and my pork were right on. And actually, my, my ribs, I thought, were right on also. So it, it didn't disturb me when I didn't get a call in, in chicken. And chicken's been one of those categories where I've suffered, you know, the last year. And I've got a lot of help from my good friend. It's simply marvelous, but I just can't get it together. Um, um, so, go ahead. No, uh, please, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so going into the cook, not getting the chicken call didn't phase me. Have you cooked an event before where you've taken half of the category events in winning fashion? Not the very first time. I've gotten maybe a, a first in brisket, or I've got maybe a first in pork, but never combined together. This is the first time ever for me. So when and you a, when you win pork, you get the eighth in ribs, you win brisket uh, as they're starting to make the calls uh, in an overall sense. Do you think that you have this one in the bag or... Were you worried about any other teams? Because uh, I'm sure you're probably trying to keep track as best you can of some of the other teams. Well, I was sort of worried because I didn't know how far down I was on that chicken and how far that was going to hurt me. And once they got to about the third place call, then uh, people start pointing at me and saying, ooh, Sylvie. <laughs> and it's like, no, I still could have screwed something up. One of the other teams, Woodhouse, with John and Tracy um, Anderson, they were still in contention for uh, Grand Champion also. So, you know, I didn't know. Once they called them for the, the reserve, I knew. And it was like, you know, your heart just starts beating. You just wait for them to officially bring you up to the, the stage. Uh, how does this uh, particular contest and the win uh, stack up to the other contests that you've taken part in? Uh, this is the best I've done. Obviously, it's my first GC as Lady of Q, my second old, my second GC uh, for life. But uh, this is the best, and I'm just hoping, you know, that it's, you know, I can repeat it and go on to the year. So let's back up just for a second, and you know, I like to try to extract some nuggets of wisdom from the pitmasters when I have them on here to to make it useful for some of the other people kind of getting into it. When we talk about flavor profiles, obviously, uh, you know, a California-based, born and raised, you're living there. Uh, and then you have this little thing called the West Coast offense, which is just starting right. to make its appearance on the map. But, you know, really nobody's ever heard about it. Yeah, right. Uh, very, It's very popular. It's winning all over the place. Um, what kind of flavor profiles are you using, and uh, what do you I, see that's winning out there? Uh, I am 100% West Coast offense. Uh, I've been using Simply Marvelous rubs for you know, greater than two years, and I added on the Big Papa Smoker rubs uh, a little over a year ago, and that's strictly what I use, West Coast offense. Um, and it's hitting, and you'll find that most of the top teams in at least Southern California are with West Coast offense. Do you find that you're using it uh, a bit differently than some of the other teams or are the teams that are consistently doing well, you know, using these two or three rubs on this uh, protein and these two or three rubs on this protein? Is there a specific recipe that you've been able to decipher? No, I think each team sort of develops their own um, use of what are the rubs. You know, someone may use sweet seduction, uh, sweet money, and pecan. Somebody else may use cherry and spicy apple and whatever so there's so many different combinations and all the teams just develop what they think is their winning combination how many events uh, when you look to plan your competition season do you shoot for and do you find that uh, towards the end of the year or in the middle of the year that you're adding uh usually i go for like 10 to 12 a year and i 
uh, most all the competitions that I do are going to be in the Southern California area. I don't do a lot of driving, so I'm not out there doing marathon drives across country or to the Midwest. Would you ever, uh, uh, you know, one year just throw caution to the wind and map out 35, 40 events and, and see if you could make a run for team of the year? Or do you have no interest in that? No, no, no interest whatsoever. You know, even uh, I did do the American Royal um, in, what is it, in 2012. And I said, that's my last long run. It's like, you know, been there, done that. As far as the jack, I, you know, that's a long drive from here. And usually if I took the drive, I'd just see my husband and I, and that's a lot of road. And, you know, I'm not up to that. So Southern California, Arizona, Nevada, that's where I sort of limit, you know, where I'll compete. Uh, Sylvie, where are you going to be uh, competing at next? Uh, my next competition is August 8th, 9th, 10th in Huntington Beach, California. It's a two-day. So it's a KCBS contest on Saturday and then another one on Sunday. And uh, we're looking at maybe 60-something teams at that event also. So it should be pretty big. Yeah, sounds um, like it's going to be huge. That's huge. So I'm hoping for some karma on that one, too. Are are you surprised to see the amount of team or the amount of competitions, and uh, I guess how populated those competitions are, uh, especially after you look back? You know, probably when you started, it was pretty sparse uh, in regards to the number of teams that were at these events. Now you're seeing sixty, seventy. Some have uh, seen even over a hundred teams out there in California. When we first started competing, uh, it wasn't unusual to have no more than ten teams, and most of the events we did were. IBCA. There weren't any KCBS contests. Then over time, that's increased. So now we have the, um, we have quite a few, you know, big competitions where you know have them be 25 to 30, and like you said, up to 60, 70. And the one event last year, we had 99 teams. So I think it's growing. There are a lot of uh, things that, you know, classes that are giving other teams incentive to cook. Uh, the California Barbecue Association sponsors a lot of classes to get backyarders into competitions, so we're pushing that. So it's you know it's growing here in Southern California. Are you seeing more and more female pitmasters uh, getting into these teams, or do you still think it's uh, by and large a, a male-dominated sport? It's still male-dominated. Uh, at any given event, there may be two, maybe well two female teams, and that's about it uh, here in Southern California. And, you know, that's more than, well, how do you say it? There's more than, you know, 10 years ago, but still it's not that many women who are into it. So, there are a lot of male-female teams, a husband-wife or something like that, but not just female-dominated teams. The, the percentage is small of pitmasters uh, that are female, okay. but if do you think that you are given the, the the justifiable respect going into competitions now where it doesn't matter. It's, you know, oh, there's Sylvie, and it's not like, oh, there's Sylvie, she's a, she's a girl. <laughs> no, I've always been given respect. The guys know that I, you know, I'm out there to compete, and I work hard, and I, you know, I give them a run for their money. So, you know, I'm, you know, to be reckoned with. And one of the things, I've been pretty good in brisket for the last couple of years, so everybody knows, you know, the person to, to beat in, in brisket is, uh, probably going to be myself and a couple other teams. So, you know, they give me a lot of respect. Sylvie Curry is the pitmaster of Lady of Q. Uh, we just recapped the big win this past weekend over in Vista. 
Uh, Sylvie, really appreciate you coming on to uh, share uh, how you got into it and uh, how things have progressed for you. And of course, I personally appreciate your patronage to the show each and every week, or at least when you can find time. Um, keep up the keep up it. the winning ways, and we will have you back on, please. I will do. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Dave. There she is, Sylvie Curry, pitmaster, lady of Q. Man, I get jacked up when you know listeners of the show are also out there competing, win come on the show and we talk about the the weekend and you know how they got into it. that's awesome good for you so bringing it strong the first gc as lady of q second one in her career good job great interview as always all right let me talk to you before we close up shop about the birthday boy himself dave bosco butcher barbecue i'm always trying to step up my barbecue and grilling game i do it with Butcher Barbecue, absolutely. Folks, savings time is here, but it's quickly running out. Butcher's Barbecue offering a discount on all orders placed with them during the month of July. During the checkout process, use code JULY. Receive $5 off your already low shipping cost. This will expire at the end of the month, which I believe is like two days. Order now. Enjoy your summertime cooking at a discount. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Of course, we all know Butcher's well-known for the injections, the pork, the beef, the prime, the bird booster. ButcherBBQ.com, the website. Uh, Now, perhaps if you're looking for the rubs, the sauces, you know you have a bunch to choose from here. Full line of award-winning rubs and sauces. You have the steak and the brisket rub. You have the honey rub. You have the premium rub. If you inject with butchers, we all know the premium rub is a perfect one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike because the premium rub is formulated to work with the butcher's injection. Of course, you have the sweet barbecue sauce. That's a winner in my book. You can't look right over there to my left, but there's four bottles of butcher's barbecue, sweet barbecue sauce on deck just in case. I did make a huge batch of my own homemade barbecue sauce this past weekend where I broke out the what I call the North Coast offense. A little bit of Big Papa Smokers rubs, but a heavy hand of my favorite pork rub, Honey Barbecue. Boom. The Honey Rub. Oh, I love it. Goes on everything. Had a, had a, a ton on my pork butt and a healthy dose on my ribs as well. It turned out absolutely fabulous. Two rave reviews. No doubt about it. Everybody, oh, what rub is that? It's Honey Rub. You get a butcherbbq.com. You're going to love it. In regards to the sauce, you know, no liquid smoke. That's key for me. No worries about breaking the bank on shipping. And as we said, you're going to save $5 on the already low shipping cost. So it's now $3.50. It's now $4.75. Of course, anything over $2 or $200 ships for free. There you go. Head on over to butcherbbq.com. Stock up now. In regards to the sauce by six, it's going to go fast. Women like it, too. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We are back to wrap up the show. Look ahead to next week. All that fun stuff. Your phone calls, your emails, 216-220-0966. Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. We're back. Stick around.
Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Sylvie Curry, pitmaster of Lady of Q, talking about her win in Miss California this past weekend against 59 other teams. Some top teams in there, for sure. Um, getting a lot of email about people that saw the lady fall off of the diving board. Uh, we have recapped that. In case you're joining me late, you can go back and catch the podcast. Uh, it will be YouTube roughly 1 or 2 in the morning. Uh, but uh, this audio post will be up uh, before the night is over. The new shows always post at 23.55. If you don't know 24-hour time, get a clock. Then you can go uh, either to my Facebook page if you want or go to the video archive and check out the lady who's six meters up who decides to hold her nose and then decides she doesn't want to jump off. Except it's too late at that point and it literally goes downhill from there. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Chris Becker from cookingpellets.com. If you got a pellet-fired cooker, try his pellets out. For crying out loud. What's the easiest way you can help me out? Support the sponsors of the show. He is. Cookingpellets.com. And we talked with Jason Ganahl from GQ Barbecue about his win at the inaugural, inaugural Colorado Rockies Invitational Barbecue Championship. Congratulations to him. He's keeping it. He's holding it down in the Rocky Mountain area. And then the second hour, we talked to John Nilgis, Parrothead Smokers Pitmaster. This one is 50th KCBS event. He is qualified in two different ways to go down to this year's Jack. And legend, if you didn't know, do your homework. And Sylvie Curry came out of the bullpen to talk about her big win this past weekend out there at the Vista, California. How she got into it, the flavor profiles, all that good stuff. So thanks to her and congratulations on the first GC as Lady of Q. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. We will see you back here next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until then, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.